You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into a hole in your head. It's one of them. Your choice. I don't control what you do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews of Locked On Blue Jays and jaysfromthecouch.com. Back with you on the Locked On Podcast Network after a bit of a medical issue. Uh, last night, after I posted the wonderful interview with April Witzman, who, you know, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's it's the episode 100 spectacular shindig. Listen to it. It's great. April's great to listen to. So check that out. But after I posted that, during the Blue Jays game against the Orioles, I started getting more and more pain. And it was unrelated to watching Thomas Pannone pitch, who we will talk about in a second, as well as some of the batting performances over the past two games, and some of the Blue Jays who are not performing on the field for their own injury reasons. And we will talk about them primarily in the latter half of today's episode, but yeah, um, kept getting worse, and this morning, it, it was just not happening. Um, turns out I had an infected tooth, which, loads of fun. You guys should really try it. Just, like, break open one of your teeth and, you know, let all, everything you eat get in there. And you can experience what I felt, which is slightly more painful than losing two straight games to the Orioles. Anyway, had that done this morning, like they buzzsawed my tooth and took it out. So my mouth has stopped bleeding enough that I think I can properly talk about the Blue Jays. And if you all are still with me after that, what what an amazing way to kick off the next 100 episodes of Locked On Blue Jays by talking about my dental work. (laughs) I... I'm glad you stuck through it because um, as friend of the podcast, Nick Monaco said last night on Twitter, they were waiting for me to bang my table and, and get all riled up at the Blue Jays losing two straight to the Orioles. And Nick, I will do my best, but I really don't want to rupture the stitches in my mouth. So we'll do my best to be a little restrained, but yeah, let's, Focus on the pitching first. We'll talk about Kendris Morales in a second because we we kind of addressed that during April's interview, the end of the Morales streak. But we'll talk about that a little more in the second segment. And then again, the Blue Jays not on the field in the third segment. But let's talk about the pitching because the pitching was a big story for the Blue Jays. 28 hits given up over 18 innings against a Baltimore team that still employs Chris Davis and employs at least three starters who they claimed off waivers. Pretty sure. There's Jace Peterson, there's John Andrioli, and there's Renato Nunez. Yeah, that's three. I'm right. Look at that. Anyway. Now, Sam Gaviglio had five solid innings against the Orioles. The problem is he needed six, and he didn't do it. And that was just a 
a tease at what Thomas Benone had on offering in the Tuesday night game that three and a third inning, nine hits, seven run, shellacking that Baltimore put on him. ZRA jumped four runs. Just everything that he put over the plate was just getting knocked around by Baltimore. And it was it was frustrating to watch him like he looked so good against this team at home. Like he was able to hit his spots, he was able to get pitches called, but he just wasn't fooling anyone. Of the 42 pitches that Thomas Pannone threw for strikes last night, the Orioles batters made contact on 30 of them. And that was the trend these past two days. There wasn't any fooling Baltimore batters. And this is a lineup that gets very easily fooled. But no, just nothing last night was was making it into Danny Jansen's glove. And, and it was indicative throughout the lineup. Uh, Joe Biagini pitched an inning in two-thirds, gave up two runs, but Orioles were making contact on on a better than 50% of his strike pitches. Murphy Smith, who was the story of the first game, pitching an inning and a third of scoreless relief in his debut as a 31-year-old, and everyone's like, oh, yay, like... All the warm and fuzzies quickly evaporated in the eighth inning last night as Murphy Smith proceeded to give up hit after hit after hit. Again, same same as Pannone. Murphy Smith threw 12 pitches for strikes. 11 of them were contacted by the Orioles. And when you give up that much contact, eventually they're going to find holes. They're going to sneak into the outfield just the way they did last night. And it doesn't help. When your defense makes throws like Lourdes Guriel did. But that's something that, you know, the Blue Jays are working on as it is. But there was, there was just no fooling any Orioles batters. The only pitcher who had swing and miss stuff last night was Tim Meza. And that's great for Meza. He had a really solid inning for the Blue Jays. But... They need more than that if they want to win. And they especially can't be giving up that kind of production to a team that is still looking for its 40th win. I hope it doesn't come tonight and the Blue Jays get swept by the Orioles in Camden Yards. Because that'll just set a great tone going into the series against the Marlins, which is another team that the Blue Jays should beat up upon. But we'll see how that goes. Anyway, it... It was just disappointing to watch. Like, like there was no, there was no attempt to really vary what the Blue Jays pitchers have been doing the past couple days. Like, you're you're not going to get swing and miss stuff, obviously, from Sam Gavilio. and Thomas Pannone is a guy who's relying more on deception. But there was no deception at all. And again, you you are facing a team that has. Chris Davis batting still like 170, 173. You have John Andrioli out there, a a waiver claim from like a week ago. You have Renato Nunez, who is just a triple-A player at best. Craig Gentry should not be cranking home runs. You should not be putting balls in a spot where Craig Gentry can put it out of the park. It just was not there was nothing working for 
for the Blue Jays on the mound last night. And it was it was frustrating to see, as frustrating as that pain in my jaw. Which again, it was tough to tell which was worse, but I think Chris Davis having a three for five night was the biggest pain of all for the Blue Jays. So we will leave the pitchers behind and focus on the bats in a sec. But first, just want to remind y'all that, you know, it's fantasy football season and everyone's doing their drafts. I have a draft tonight. I uh, I told the dentist when I went in I had a draft tonight. He's like, this is a little early, is it? And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's a weird schedule. But anyway, so... You want to be prepared for your fantasy football drafts. You don't want to be taking Marquise Lee. You do not want to be relying on Teddy Bridgewater, who just got traded to the Saints. So, it's it's at crunch time, and what are you going to do? You're going to turn to Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7, because it is delivering what you need. It's a brand new fantasy football show on the Locked On Podcast Network. It'll give you the latest trends, the hot roster moves, the sexy waiver ads, and it'll tell you where to get an edge on your opponents. And they have Ethan Turner, the injury expert, who goes through those injury reports and lets you know who you need to sit and who you need to start. So Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 is here to help you win your league. And you want to win your league. It, it tastes sweet when you win your league. Okay, so hitting was better for the Blue Jays in the past night, because it it certainly wasn't on Monday night. David Hess, for the second straight time, has a quality start against the Blue Jays. This time, he did not give up a run, scattered four hits and two walks over six innings, and then the bullpen proceeded to dominate from there. But it was... Interesting in the kind of role reversal, like like a Monday the star was Sniper McKinney went two for four, uh, with a double. Like they they were finding solid extra base hits off of David Hess, but there definitely weren't enough throughout the lineup to go around. And while Monday had the problem of the middle of the lineup, Kendris Morales and Justin Smoke not really performing. Tuesday, the bottom half of the lineup really let down this team. Now, I said we were going to talk about Morales. Obviously, Monday, Kendris had history on the line. He was going for the record. He wanted that home run badly. And, again, I was I was talking to Nick before that game, and he worried that because this streak was on the line, Kendris would be trying to press hard and, and try and get that record, give that that solitary joy for the Blue Jays in this season. And that's exactly what he did. He, he struck out in the first inning on a 2-2 pitch, which, you know, he, he battled Hess for that pitch, but he didn't get it. Um, then came out really aggressive in the top of the fourth, grounded out right back to, uh, I believe it was Chris Davis playing first. Yeah. So just just a weak little tapper. Then they walked him in the sixth, and I never saw anyone being excoriated for a walk more than David Hess by Blue Jays Twitter on Monday night. It was like Barry Bonds getting walked when he was like 
you know, just punching balls into the bay for fun. Like, literally punching balls. He didn't need a bat. But you you could see that, that kind of pressure coming for Kendris Morales when he got to the top of the eighth. And he had to turn around against Paul Fry. And once again, he, he just kind of pressed on it. And Fry was able to get him swinging. And that, that was it. It was a lot of pressure to put on him. And I, I know the Blue Jays did their best to try and keep him relatively loose and and try and set things up Lourdes Goriel had the Morales cam which was a remarkable feat of engineering for someone just stuck in a bullpen or or a dugout during a game bullpen probably gets a little little more uh credit for its engineering feats but that was impressive from Lourdes Goriel more impressive than his throw on Tuesday night but yeah I wasn't surprised that Kendris got the Tuesday night game off to try try and you know just Put the streak out of his mind. It's okay. You did really good. You you tied for second longest streak. I, technically, it's fourth longest, but I mean, really, come on. But there there were signs of life from that Blue Jays offense in that Tuesday game. They were able to find pitches from a guy making his debut in Josh Rogers, another piece of that Zach Britton deal, which... Again, the Blue Jays should have done more with him, especially with a guy like Billy McKinney in the lineup, who literally was a teammate of Rogers last month. But you know, I, again, it was it was too little spread apart, and you know the the pitching was just terrible on Tuesday. But it had great performances. Justin Smoke hit the twenty home run plateau, which was good to see, and right behind him. And probably the best hitter of the past two nights for the Blue Jays has been Randall Grichuk with that 4-for-5 performance last night. He was just zoning in on everything that the Orioles were throwing out in front of him. He scored a run at two RBIs, had seven total bases on the day. Just a nice, solid, all-around performance by Grichuk. And and he's showing why he could possibly be in consideration for maybe being a number two hitter next year. Like It depends on who's starting with the Blue Jays and who's going where. But if you have a guy like Guriel or McKinney at the top of the lineup, then whoever doesn't get picked there can be slotted in number nine. And then you can have Grichuk there. And Grichuk could act as that sort of Josh Donaldson proxy if he's able to, you know, take what he's learned since coming back from the DL, take that Randall Grichuk and translate it into next year's Randall Grichuk, the Grichuk who is strong coming out of the gate, knows what he wants to do at the plate, is able to knock those singles around, and able to turn a pitch into the into the bullpen if he wants to. Like like that that kind of complete performance, which the Blue Jays have desperately missed from that two hole, that three hole sort of thing, like since the decline of Jose Bautista and the injury to Josh Donaldson, who we'll talk about in the next segment. But it was a good performance from him. Um, like I said, Smoke had a good performance. Kim Pilar wasn't bad last night, which is, is good to see for him. He's he's maintaining somewhat. But, um, again, it was a bottom third that really hurt the Blue Jays, especially Alemis Diaz. Three strikeouts on the night, dude. That is not what you're getting paid for. And I know Alemis is a power first shortstop, a power first infielder. He's going to go for that home run swing, but they they were just all over him. Like they were not giving him anything to really drive and just 
sinking balls on him and he just could not find anything. So that was difficult to watch. Danny Jansen didn't get a hit, but he got two walks. So, I mean, that's good. His, his on base is 395. That's still really good. McKinney had an off night, but you know, he's, he's already impressed enough since coming up. So I actually wasn't too displeased with the offense and I can see a lineup configuration that'll work even with the pieces. Now, if you, if you went Guriel, Grichuk, Smoke, Morales, I'm sorry to Oscar, there's still no more room for you, but you know, the way John Gibbons put out his lineup, I can see that working with the upgrades that are coming. And obviously, Alemis Diaz is not long for this world when Vlad Guerrero Jr. comes up. He's a reason why another Blue Jay is seemingly not long for this world. And we'll talk about him right after this message. Because first, I need to tell you all that in addition to getting your fantasy football fix from the Locked On Podcast Network. We also have great coverage on the NFL in general. And this year, the Locked On NFL has become a Locked On NFL of experts. Matt Williamson hosts the show. has a brand new lineup this year. Every Monday, he's bringing in local experts for your team. They're kind of come in and talk about the biggest stories. And then experts across the week. Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback, Twitter star. He's going to be on the podcast every Tuesday. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. He's going to be on every Wednesday. And then Mike Sando of ESPN will be on every Thursday. You're going to get top-notch expert quality analysis into your ears every day with the Locked On NFL podcast. So be sure to follow it on iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you get podcasts to get this amazing content in your ears. All right, so the biggest news off the field for the Blue Jays yesterday was the return of Josh Donaldson to baseball action. And while it hasn't been as long a time of coming as Troy Tulowitzki, it was still good to see Donaldson in action. He went one for two with Dunedin. He had a walk, had an RBI, looked good, you know, playing with the single A guys. But it became known that Donaldson was doing this essentially as an audition because the Blue Jays apparently want to move on from him and move on from him as quickly as possible. And I still do not get it. I do not get the rush that the Blue Jays are in to get rid of Josh Donaldson. It still baffles me. I don't, I, I don't know what they are trying to do with it. And like the obvious answer is, well, Vlad Jr. is coming next year. Vlad Jr. is going to be in the majors. He's going to be playing third base. Where do you put Josh Donaldson? Honestly, I think it behooves the Blue Jays to work on a lineup that does have Donaldson in there. And again, I would extend the qualifying offer to him. If he's traded, he's not going to get that qualifying offer. So you're just going to make him angrier. And... I would extend that qualifying offer if he says yes, great, you have him for one year, and you can trade him in the offseason and get more value than you are going to get like a single-A prospect for for a homophobic second baseman. Like I don't get the logic here. If the plan was to trade Josh Donaldson, why not put him out there like in spring training? Say, hey, we're going to trade Josh Donaldson. Who wants him? 
even if he was injured, which the injury did put a big crimp into the Blue Jays' plans. But even then, you know what you're you're trading Josh Donaldson. You know you're trading him. Put him out there and get something at that point as opposed to relying on an August trade where you can't guarantee you will get anything. I think the biggest August trade I remember is the one between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. And the, the Red Sox got five players from the Dodgers. None of them turned out to be good. All turned out to be lottery tickets. That's what they got for, for Josh Beckett and Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez. Essentially, it was a move to shed payroll, which you have a pending free agent. I I don't know why you're doing this when the value is has cratered like this. It's, it's the same argument as trading Stroman, which why are you trading him when his value is absolutely terrible? When you know you have an opportunity where his value is higher to make that move at that point. I don't understand it. And it, it seems like this divorce is like rapidly approaching, but I, I, again, this is the same argument I made before. Why give up an asset for a dime on the dollar? Like, like when you can potentially get more, if they're not going to get like a prospect hall similar to, I don't want like you're, you're a fool if you're asking for a Manny Machado package, but Josh Donaldson is a year removed from being MVP candidate for like four straight years. That has value that you can get something for that. You can get a top five prospect for that. I mean, I'm just not sure late August is going to be the time when you can make those kind of moves. And, you know, it's not impossible. The, the pirates sent like their top three prospects to Tampa and one of them came after August. So, so as long as it's a kid who hasn't been on the roster yet, and that's fine if you want to do that, but it limits the Blue Jays' options and what they can get. They can't get a Billy McKinney. They can't get a uh, Brandon Drury. They can't get uh, a pitching prospect who's already appeared in the majors. They're going to have to settle for less. And again, I don't understand it, but I'm not in control of that team. And neither is Troy Tulowitzki, which is why he will not be playing shortstop for the Blue Jays anytime soon. That was the other thing he came out. is like, I'm gonna, I'm a shortstop. I'm going to battle. I'm like, Troy, I think you lost that battle when you had heel surgery, bud. Like, once, once a team's preparing your contingency plan ahead of time, that may be a sign you're not going to be in the plans for much longer. So it was interesting to see the Troy Tulowitzki comments. I wish him the best of luck. I loved him in Colorado. I, I loved him during the playoff run here, but he has become an albatross for the Blue Jays, and I don't know if he's ever going to play shortstop for this team again. They they can try him next year while they're waiting for Bo Bichette or Kevin Smith to make their progression through the minors. Again, Logan Warm is still down there. They, there's a lot of infield depth. Santiago Espinal. So he could make that appearance at short, but it's more and more likely that he's going to be moved around either to a new position or to a new team, if any team is going to pick up Troy Tulowitzki. And that kind of sucks because that's another huge piece of the 2015-16 runs gone. But Troy Tulowitzki of 2018 is the price that the Blue Jays paid for the 2015 and 2016 playoff burst. So this is where the franchise finds itself. It's just a matter of if 
they can find that sort of escape hatch. And, and you know, the Blue Jays have done it before. They managed to trade Vernon Wells, which was amazing. They got nothing for him, but they managed to trade him. So we'll see if Tulowitzki can come back in spring training, and maybe that's when the Blue Jays can find a move for him. But I can tell you that you will find the end of this podcast right here on the Locked On Blue Jays podcast show on the Locked On Podcast Network. I, I think I made it through without, you know, injuring myself further. So I'm happy for that. And if you are happy with my performance today, battling through injury, give me a follow on Twitter at NeoAC18, where you can get fine Blue Jays content from me every day of the week, usually. Um, follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnJays. Follow Locked on MLB for MLB news across the network and tell your friends, leave a review on iTunes, on Google play, let them know what you think of the content on here. Cause it, it would help us out a lot. It would get us into more homes and you know, that just means I get to spend more time talking blue Jays with y'all. And I like doing that. If that wasn't obvious for me battling through dental surgery to come talk to you today. So Again, thank you all for listening. If you haven't checked out the interview with April Witzman from yesterday, please do. It's an excellent, excellent time. You will not be mis- mistaken in investing your time in that. So for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Blue Jays, thank you for joining us for episode 101 of the podcast. I've been Ryan Andrews, and y'all take care. <laughs>